I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and today we're going to be discussing something controversial. But we are not going to be making it controversial, all right? So we are going to be understanding different aspects of what has popularly become the carnivore diet. Now, what is the carnivore diet? We're going to deep dive into it. Now, this is not telling everybody to suddenly start eating meat. If you have moral issues about listening about this podcast, don't listen to the podcast. But to understand different perspectives to understand what does a plant based diet do versus what does a meat based diet do this podcast is going to deep dive into all these issues so we have sangeeta ayer with me and we're going to jump into understanding what a carnivore is sangeeta welcome to the habit coach podcast happy to be here thank you for having me my pleasure so carnivore Hmm. I know that you have been stirring up a storm especially on your Twitter profile and everything and everyone's <laughs> been like oh how are you talking about meat and about what about vegetables and all of that right correct, correct. so before we get into the controversial aspects of it right. I think it's important to understand the journey hmm. how did you get to this place okay I'll try and keep it short I'm born into a vegetarian household let me make no bones about that i was vegetarian uh, can we do all puns intended yes. every time we talk about <laughs> all right so all no puns pun, bones in, yeah all right puns intended yeah correct so uh, i make no bones about that so so vegetarian born into a vegetarian household born raised vegetarian was vegetarian almost 32 years of my life have always been a chubby kid i always used my personality to make up for the chubbiness like we always do right not that uh, you know my weight bothered me a lot or anything like that there were slight vanity issues every girl who's young teenage or in their 20s likes to look good absolutely but with me quickly what happened is um, once i got married my weight started piling on and and it's started translating into certain health issues very early in my life one of which was PCOS and the other one which i was borderline diabetic or what we call pre-diabetic and all this by the time i had turned 30 wow and i by then also had my son he was about a year old and i was just not feeling looking or even my blood markers were nothing like what a 30 year old young lady woman should be like and that really started my journey you know into this world of what we call diets i i really do not like that word anymore and it's terrible right the first three letters are diet is die exactly mm. it it seems so temporary and so fatal in Correct. in many ways but i did that ashwin for a very long time and i did what the mainstream asked me to do largely six meals a day meat is bad for you fat is not good for you cardio always i did all of that and i went in and anybody who's been ever on a journey of losing weight and gaining health knows how much of a toll this takes on your mind because yes. you're not doing this uh, in a single track fashion right there are other things going on in your life there's family there's career there's ups and downs of regular life i was just not able to get my hands on why a simple thing like maintaining your weight is becoming so 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 difficult until i turned about 35 exactly 10 years ago until i stumbled upon couple of things one was a ketogenic lifestyle mm-hmm. and second gradually like i always say when one door opens through the world of algorithms other doors open and then fasting opened up for me interesting and that so you did keto before fasting i did keto 
and then six months along with keto, I started, started my fasting, fasting regimen also. And I was I heard you talk in in the other podcast that you were introduced to fasting when people never heard yeah, of no clue no about clue it. about this was before keto and all of these became exactly mainstream, the yeah. people didn't even like IF is an acronym now. Hmm. At that time, you fasted only for religious reasons and or it was basically just religious reasons. Nobody Correct. fasted. And your parents said that you were starving, not fasting. Uh, exactly. Hmm. So I found this Vedas lifestyle and that slowly kind of led me into a world of nutrition that seems so contrarian to what mainstream was telling you and is still continuing to tell you. Hmm. Where it said that, you know, animal-based diets are actually more appropriate for human physiology. They are more compatible for your health. Uh, fasting is something that is ancestral. And when I say ancestral, not ancestral only from a religion or a mankind's standpoint but from an evolutionary standpoint Correct. right we never had food all the time therefore the human body is most suited to be in fed and fasted states regularly so when I started doing all of that I found that by the time I had turned 37 I had reversed my 18 months I think I had Put my PCOD in remission. I went to my gynac. There was no cyst anymore. Lovely. I dropped my weight to my high school weight. Mm -hmm. The last I was 55, 56 kilos was when I was 13. And uh, 13. not, yeah, I was 13. <laughs> and this is not just about one, of course, your blood markers and health. The other thing is what it does to your mental state. Hmm. Right? The level of focus, the clarity, the fact that you're not always obsessing about what my next meal should be, in what quantities, am I eating the right combination? All that went away and then suddenly I could focus on so many different things, Ashwin, that it now when I find it really funny when people say, oh, you, are you on a diet? I said, no. I eat like this. Mm. This is a lifestyle. And uh, it is somewhere sad that unfortunately it's been called a fad when actually evolutionarily, if you see, human beings have been omnivores, right? And what is fad is what we eat right now mm. in the last couple of hundred years. Yeah. So that's really my journey. And once I started seeing proof of the pudding, not just with me, with friends and family, about three years ago, just before the pandemic began, I wanted to share this with everybody because I see the struggle all over me. I'm, I'm sure you see this too. Absolutely. And um, plus, when you're in a world of nutrition like mine, it's not just about you know, having a six-pack abs, this it, this is not about that. It's about non-communicable diseases, you know, your metabolic syndrome, which now plagues 80% of the population today. Absolutely. And the solution really lies in nutrition because it's a nutrition-based problem. So that's what I started doing since 2019 and here I am. And the carnivore part started when? So that began along with keto, literally. Okay, so it was so keto carnivore. -ish. It was keto carnivore. I first eliminated sugar, grain, and then largely over a period of time, I am almost ninety-five percent carnivore. Everything I eat comes out of an animal. Lovely. It's not to say that I don't find merit in eating some plants. I do, but predominantly my nutrition comes from animal-based sources. So I have been out of the ten years. Eight years, I have been literally keto carnivore, that sort of, a, you know, macro. Mm -hmm. Just to clarify, I think this whole keto is kind of misunderstood and used very, very loosely. Mm -hmm. A classic ketogenic diet where 70% of your macros come from fat is actually a therapeutic 
ketogenic diet it's not meant for the masses it's Correct. meant for certain very clear medical conditions where metabolizing glucose by the brain becomes an issue mm. it's clearly in the cases of epilepsy and now it's emerging in cases of what we call nutritional psychiatry yeah. right where schizophrenia depression etc are being used alzheimers are being used the ketogenic diet is being used but for a normal population a classic therapeutic ketogenic diet is not advisable so i i just thought i leave it there because there is a lot of uh, mis- a misunderstanding, misunderstanding yes, around these everybody interchanges these terms a lot and and for example you know people think it's a bacon and cheese diet it's not a bacon and cheese diet that's that's reducing it to its very narrow you know scope but the problem is it is introduced to you as a bacon and cheese diet unfortunately you know like the first time i heard of a ketogenic diet was this friend of mine that said that ashin i have dropped so much weight eating bacon I was like, what? Yeah, all I do is I wake up and I eat bacon. Then I have bacon in for lunch and I have bacon for dinner. It is amazing. And I was like, dude, is that like right? Is that yeah, healthy? That, that, is, that is not enough. Right? That, that is not is, enough. While bacon is great and it can be included, uh, the right sources of bacon absolutely. can be included in your diet. Similar things I also hear. I just put uh, 500 grams of cheese on top of anything. Mm. So you take Because, rice and you add yeah. 500 tons of cheese. And, <laughs> and then it's a keto diet. Mm. But keto diet starts with where your sources of carbohydrates are reduced to less than 20, sometimes even 10 grams. Correct. And so I think it's very important to people to understand what a classic therapeutic ketogenic diet is, what a low-carb diet is, what a carnivore diet is. But for me, I feel for the regular population, a low-carb diet, because if I talk about carnivore, not everybody, not that I want anybody to adopt it, mm. a low-carb diet from an Indian cultural standpoint and a social milieu, given that that is what is causing the problem, when you keep your carb consumption to about 100 grams and lower from good unrefined sources this doesn't mean that you can cheat with a pani puri and a pizza every other day doesn't serve the purpose correct that kind of helps so at some point keto you know what we call low carb high fat carnivore are all subsets of the low carb diet correct it in fact your journey starts from there correct but i want to talk about two aspects from your story and yes. this is just me analyzing it yes. the first is that many times when we look at people and we you know see people who are overweight the first thing we think of them is indiscipline right that correct. unfortunately is something that people and then fat shaming and all of that starts from you're there. a glutton and you're, you're lazy but the thing is that i've seen people who are overweight who have the most amount of discipline because they are trying everything they are doing like you said they're doing their cardio they're doing their six meals they're doing all of that yeah. and still there's no change because they don't have the right information that's right so the important thing to understand is not especially for people listening to the podcast who've been struggling with weight issues for a really long time it's a compassionate statement that i'm making saying that you don't lack discipline you're not lazy get those words out of your system it's just probably that you don't have the right information right. for what your body needs so right. getting that in place is one of the great starting points for right. everything that we're going to be discussing especially correct now as a segue into that i'll tell you why people are struggling so much and find failure unfortunately is this entire calorie in calorie out yes. paradigm oh god calorie in calorie out is one of the biggest lies that exactly. exists exactly you know don't eat 550000 calories obviously because yeah. you're not stupid but Nobody it doesn't mean that exactly yeah. so while energy intake matters mm-hmm. and energy expenditure matters to reduce it to mathematics is really really foolish and unfortunately 
people have made it sound so simple that hey you know what every day you have to be at a 500 calorie deficit in a, a week it comes to 3500 calories 3500 calories is what is needed to burn half a kilo or 1 pound and that's how you lose weight no that's not how you lose weight because by that math you could be eating you could be drinking um, 100 ml of coke you could be drinking 100 ml of bone broth you could be eating uh, 100 grams of sugar you could be eating 100 grams of chicken and you're telling me that the body metabolizes everything equally no unfortunately this is the paradigm where where people really really are counting and counting and counting and frankly it's not sustainable they give up and then these phases of you know effort mm. let me just eat it's mm. not working and then you go through the shame and the guilt and then you start from square one again you're absolutely right it's not your fault you don't have the right information plus our food environment doesn't help do you know how calories measured do you know what a calorie is it's a unit of mass right it's a unit of heating heat, up heat exactly a, a 100 ml of water by 1 degree the amount Correct. of heat needed for i think 100 ml or 10 to ml to boil not to boil to by 1 degree to increase it by 1 degree is one calorie is that okay something okay, like that something like that so yeah. the whole idea i have is, decided to forget that <laughs> because it's of no use it's used for debunking these things <laughs> correct which is what we're going to be doing in this correct. next segment okay now the reason why i want to do this so i've understood the low carb part and i think many people have understood that low carb itself is a good way of living yes now i want to talk about plants hmm. okay now this is something that i'm very passionate about because i did a ton of research on plants itself and if plants are actually good for the body hmm. okay so what i'm going to do is i'm going to ask you are plants good for the body and you're going to give me one reason why they're not or why they are and i'm hmm. going to give one reason why they're not or why they are and we're going to do a juggle bandi of this back and forth does this work sounds in, yeah sounds interesting i'll try okay yes. so go so plants good bad give me one topic bad tell me why anti nutrients okay what is that plants are also living creatures they cannot run away so they have built in defense mechanisms and these defense mechanisms come in the form of anti nutrients and some of them are lectins oxalates phytates these are the ones that are found in your plants therefore whenever you have to eat a plant you have to either ferment it cook it soak it boil it you have to do something to it so that the anti nutrient profile is lowered for human digestion so now let's break up these three anti nutrients okay right. so what are lectins so lectins are basically found like i said it's something that prohibits you from eating the plant and from digesting the entire nutrients of the plant because a plant inherently does not want to be eaten Correct. for example lectin is found in soy hmm. okay they are a gut irritant they also don't allow your thyroid function to work properly they are also found in what we call what indians love rajma chole chana so everybody knows somebody in their house who despite how these pulses or legumes are made there is a sense of bloating there is flatulence there is a chernobyl esque hmm. effect that is caused in the house kaboom kaboom exactly hmm. all these are functions of these anti nutrients that despite this amount of cooking to a large majority of the population they cause a problem So can I take over the lectins part because sure. there's something that I'm very passionate about. Please, because, of course you can. So anyone who wants to understand about lectins has to read this book by Dr. Gundry called The Plant Paradox. Okay, <gasps> yes. it will put everything in perspective for you. Correct. But the interesting thing is that plant proteins hmm. 
that cause this are collectin. So, they are plant proteins Correct. in that sense. And for example, our most famous one is gluten. Hmm. So, gluten is technically a lectin and gluten as a plant protein comes in and tears up your gut lining, etc. And Correct. then starts your leaky gut. Yes. That's one of the big things. Now, what's interesting is people say, but I am not gluten intolerant. Hmm. And the truth is, every single human being is gluten intolerant. Hmm. It is just that it is in varying degrees. Right. And everyone is affected by gluten in some way or the other. Yeah. And there's tons of research that happens on this. Correct. The Wheat Belly, hmm. the other book. Oh, Wheat Belly, yeah. That's wheat Belly, Grain Brain. And Grain Brain. These are the other two books that talk about the intolerance to gluten and why it is such a massive issue with, with us consuming wheat. Yeah. And it's so interesting. When was wheat first? cultivated amas was during the Egyptian civilization. Correct. And that was when the first signs of tooth decay started coming up. Correct. Till then there are no evidence of tooth decay till the Egyptian civilization. Absolutely. So it's so interesting seeing all these things and how our cultures taken these foods for granted. Right. Because you needed a high for lack of a better word, calorie source to feed so many people, you, yeah. all these grains came into being. Actually, you needed a widely available, cheap calorie source. Cheap calorie source. These are not expensive sources. So you can do many calories in a cheaper manner Correct. to feed a larger population. That's what grain and cereals do, unfortunately. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. So it the is. other ones that have lectins are squashes. Mm. So all mm. your cucumbers and all of this fall into this category. Yeah. And I love having this conversation with people because they're like, don't you diss on my cucumber. And mm. I was like, dude, you know your cucumber is so bad for you. Like, no, no, how can it be? And I was like, remember when you were you had a grandparent and your grandparent used to cut the cucumber for you. What did and, they do? And do that. They used to take the top off and then they used to rub, s- rub something salt off. Salt in it. Yeah. But what were they taking off? What was the word that they used? Uska zhair nikalo. Yeah. Right? Uska Kadwa zahir is what they used to call it. Zahir nikalo. Yes. That means you're saying that there is a poison in it. Yes. There is a toxin in it that you have Correct. to remove. Correct. Right? Why are you eating it? Correct. And uh, then obviously we have nightshades. So our nightshades yeah. are full of lectins. I think one of the commonest, common things, if you'd like to take this hmm. on, that you must address is oxalates. The kidney stone problem, yes. which is so common, which people don't realize is spinach. Uh, and we think it's iron and you don't absorb the iron from the spinach to begin with. If you ever have a kidney stone issue, they are oxalates, calcium oxalate crystals. And that's what especially juicing your food does. Yeah, I went through a whole juicing phase, so I will admit to it. Same here. I I think all of us who've been around for a while experimenting with with nutrition have done all of this. Even I'll admit to it. Mm. It's only taken me to the crapper multiple times. It's Mm. done nothing else to my body. Correct. And the interesting thing about oxalates is obviously kidney stones, but for example, kale, and yeah. the crystals that they form, yeah. certain women have this problem of the, these crystals forming in the vagina and right. making it extremely painful. painful. Yeah. Right? So these are things that are happening because of the plants that you're eating. Yeah. Do you know how kale became popular? This is one of my favorite stories. No, I don't. But I have tried to consume it and I could never for some reason and I ditched it. <laughs> Kale is I don't evil. Know so, kale started because... Um, Sorry if I'm not wrong. It used to be a decorative plant, correct. right? Oh, there I go. I think I... But tell me the story so for the audience. Hut used yeah. to use it as a decoration for <laughs> its salad bar. Correct. So, you know the green stuff on the side of the salad yeah, bar that was yeah. supposed to be kept to just make everything look green? Yeah. So, because people saw it, that they started taking it and eating it. <laughs> and that's how it became a superfood. It has no consequence. Nobody has done any research on it being a superfood. It has. It was just pop culture and city magazines, like I yeah. said in the beginning of this in, in, in like this podcast, 
that it's all about knowing your information and information sources. Right. So it's crazy just how these things become popular. Correct, correct. Yeah, but I did pick up on this trivia. I didn't remember the whole story, but I, I did remember that, that it was a decorative piece and people started eating it and then became a thing. I mean, talk about great marketing and PR. And the fact that they needed green on the salad bar because you could imagine what else was there in the salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I love it. Okay, so that's oxalates. Right. We've got our lectins. Yeah. Nightshades are again... High in lectin, so your potatoes, your tomatoes, bengan. Brinjal. Brinjal. Yeah. Bengan stands for begun, no good. Yeah. Right? So we already know that from Ayurveda. Correct. So all of these are very interesting plants. I was at an Ayurvedic retreat mm. a while back and mm. I was talking to them on what kind of food you eat. Mm. And they actually knocked off all these things that had lectins in them. Right. Right. So there, there was no bengan, there was no tomato, there was no potato on the, mm. on the menu. Mm. Because they realized this back then. Mm. And uh, last thing before we move on. Sure. My friends always offer me salad. Hmm. Right, when you're having your yeah. meals. Water salad, cucumber and tomato. Correct. Both of them which are high in lectin. Yeah. I think, no, why are you not eating? You don't yeah. want to eat anything healthy. I was like, yeah. guys, this is not... Yeah. And I'm not going to give you a lecture now because like, otherwise you'll never invite me again for lunch. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a little while, I think a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting on WhatsApp, you remember I told you that in 2011-12, I had this severe abdominal pain Yeah. where in one trip I was coming back from Goa and from the hotel I had to be straight admitted to the hospital oh. because I had a gut inflammation and the doctor praised him because nev- doctor will never admit to a plant being bad he told me stop eating raw plants yes. if you can give up plants you give up but raw definitely give up it's not working for you exactly so I mean, who knew that plants would take you to <laughs> to the, the hospital, hospital straight from the airport hmm. yeah, the poison so, ivy yeah. does that as well so the interesting thing is that there are lots of debates on which is the best diet. Right. Right. Like you can debate this, you can debate that, like we are having this Correct. conversation. Yes. So we're just debating it out. Yeah. But there is no debate on what is one of the worst hmm. diets. So we hmm. already know that like the SAD, which is the standard yeah. American diet is terrible. Yeah. But very close is the raw vegan diet. I completely agree. Right? Yes. You feel amazing for the first year, for the second year, for the third year. And after that, it is one downhill slope. Yes. You've had people on the raw vegan diet come to you? Yes. I've had people from the raw vegan diet. And I've had a case of a 28-year-old who went to do her master's. Lost her period within two years. Lost hair, uh, nails. Teeth. uh, Teeth. Yeah. and, And almost was diagnosed unexplained unfertility oh wow there was they couldn't find a diagnosis for it she came to me and this was about a year and a half back from a raw vegan i have we worked to transition her to a low carb animal based diet much better and i think 3 months ago the period has started fantastic and so i think the raw vegan diet is just incompatible with human survival not thriving also survival and most people who are unfortunately I don't want to sound controversial uh, Ashton but they're standing or they're believing that they stand for something bigger therefore they take these choices and stances you know something bigger like anti-cruelty something bigger like non-violence something bigger like climate change but the body that you live in, you're causing the most violence to that body, yeah. right? So I think you need to open your eyes to the greatest duty you have is first to self. 
right mind body soul then everything else begins yeah. that's my humble submission on this no absolutely and you know like even with the morality issues with regards to a diet and i know this will be controversial correct it's because we use this word called farming mm. right we mm. use it as animal farming we call it plant farming but both of them are technically farming Absolutely. that means you've taken one species of something you've artificially multiplied them yeah. you've kept them entrapped in a particular place yeah. and you're going to eat off them Correct. now whether you do that to animals yes who in water commas have feelings and we do that to plant who in water commas don't have feelings right. and we will debunk this as <laughs> as this podcast goes on it is still farming right. so it is a systemic issue yeah for getting food to the kind of population that, that we, have, we have become that we yes, become yes. if you have your own land if you're doing your own thing i think the morality of this becomes a little bit yes easier to, to yes. for you to digest yes. all puns intended yes so and and i say this again that you will find no person who's a meat eater or now who's part of what we call the carnivore community hmm. who for even one minute agrees with the way animals are being farmed yes. not for a minute nobody will say that this is this good this is good yes. nobody will say that i don't care okay unfortunately there's none of us and these communities are small communities do not have the wherewithal to influence it at a large scale mm. level because this needs policy this needs economy this needs completely a regenerative culture which we are unable to influence yeah. so I again say this: those who are slightly privileged find some farmer selling, you know, who owns a poultry and will get it from there, knowing that that animal was treated well. Correct. You know, will do the best, and there is a price to that. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, does this mean it is for the elite only? No, because if you look at it from the grassroots level, what is happening in India? If you look at the anemia levels, if you look at the zinc deficiency, if you look at iron deficiency, if you look at stunting wastage in children. Okay, and I'm talking this what en masse. What is wastage in children? Muscle wastage, muscle wastage, wastage and stunting. Mm. We are not our our height is not increasing. Mm. All of this is lack of animal based nutrition. Now, when I say animal based nutrition at that grassroots level, I'm not talking grass fed mutton. Correct. I'm talking simple things like milk, mm. paneer, eggs. You know, simple thing. Even these are going out of access for most people yes. because of this need to provide for cheap calories. and therefore have your dals and but it's not complete nutrition yeah so these are both ends of the spectrum right so one we need we need a systemic change and you rightly said just because you're eating plants please don't assume that there is no violence involved yeah. the amount of mice rabbits the flora fauna that you displace the very fact that you're violent towards certain species you are hybridizing them and growing them suddenly loki looks like a banyan tree mm. all these are not normal and they have their repercussions yeah absolutely and and like rightly said the cruelty is not to the animal that you're eating the cruelty is to the animals that are around so like exactly. the mice that you have to kill all the other things the rodents that you have to displace the trees that you have to cut in order to yeah, be able to do yeah. your farming we're going to take a quick break see you on the other side
Welcome back. All right, let's jump into the conversation. Have you read The Secret Life of Plants? You have recommended. I have not yet got to it, but I'm very interested to okay. know. Okay, so guys, as you know, I'm a geek, so I've read all these books. I've even <laughs> read all the pro-vegan, pro-plant books. So like all your How Not to Die, all of them, I've read it's them. It's good so, to read. I think, it, I think you have to have both sides of the perspective. You need to know yes, these before yes, you make an yes. intelligent choice. Absolutely. And there are certain plants that I will still choose to eat. Correct. There are certain things that I will still have. But understanding this is important. Knowing Correct. what you put in your mouth and your body is important. So the study goes like this. There was a plant that was attached to a galvanic skin response monitor. So basically, hmm. it measures the electric uh, frequency of that plant at that point right. of time. Somebody came in, hmm. walked around the plant, there was no change to it. Hmm. He plucked a leaf. Hmm. The plant went bananas. Okay, all the, the scales, the sensors went as if like, you know, full trauma had been yeah. done to this plant all over the place. And it was like that for a couple of hours. Hmm. Another person walks in after the plant has settled, hmm. another person walks in, not the same chap, hmm. walks around the plant, no change to the plant. Hmm. The same guy who pulled out that leaf comes in, walks, comes in, walks around the plant, goes bananas. Without touching the Without plant. Without touching the plant, walking around the table. Wow. Now, if this hasn't put goosebumps on you. It does. Right? Yeah. This is what we are thinking of as not having emotions, not having feelings and not mm. having anything. Mm. It's just that we haven't understood how to see that emotion or that, that feeling in this Or we don't plant. know how that living creature communicates. Yes. Because we see other things like blood gore in pardon me for this a description but you don't see that in a plant right yeah. so you assume it's fairly non-violent correct so we have the sap of a plant correct which could possibly be the blood of the plant absolutely right and we put yeah. it on our pancakes and have it correct. but that's the same thing right correct. it's just that we have our lens of looking at a plant is very different from the lens of looking yeah. at an animal which is yeah. why this as a pain issue comes up mm. so the way that I like to deal with this is how if you've read The Prophet by Khalil Gibran yes so he talks about this he says that no matter what you eat you will cause something to die Correct. so if that is happening if you have if you have meat you're going to cause something to die if you have a plant you're going to cause yeah. something to die so you might as well give it the most amount of gratitude thanks before yeah. you put it in your mouth yeah. don't waste it treat it well because yeah. ultimately that is life so how I deal with it is somebody's food for you you are food for somebody yes okay you have to be ultimately we're all part of nature when we die if you're buried you will be eaten if you are cremated you turn into carbon Right. Hmm. So ultimately you disappear back into the environment. So if you therefore, if you look at cultures or tribes, they ate nose to tail. Yes. They revered that kill so much because a living creature has died to serve a tribe. And Every, there was always a prayer when the when There was the, a ritual. There was a ritual. There was, there was a, a prayer. Something. There was something that there was happened something, right? when the animal was And killed. every part of that animal was put to use, including skin, so that you you used you you honored that that creature, which is why people say that when you actually hunt your food, you mm. have more respect for your food. So I deal with it this way. And of course, today I can't hunt. Mm. I'd love to. Mm. Uh, maybe it will be a different experience from a spiritual standpoint. But but I therefore just say that you know this is the dharma needed for my body. Mm. I respect this, and uh, it's a non-issue in my head because I think spirituality means many things to many people. And for me, at the foremost, taking care of yourself is the first first rule. Yeah, taking care of yourself very important. Yeah, because you do not want to be a burden on your kith and kin. Mm. You do not want to be a burden on the government. You mm. don't. I, I do not want to be a burden on somebody else's tax-paying money for for medical help and things like that. Mm. You know, if I come to look at the more modern side of things. 
All right, so that was Sangeeta Iyer, and we were discussing the merits of understanding the carnivore-based style of eating, or more animal-based. Now, in part two, we're going to deep dive into understanding the role of plants in this form of eating, as well as understanding how to go about doing this. So, stay tuned for part two. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app. or ivmpodcast.com you can also follow us on social media we are at ivmpodcasts on twitter and instagram if you want to reach out to me i am ashden doc on twitter and instagram you can find lots more information on my website awesome180.com or check out different content on my youtube channel called awesome180 that's awesome180